Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you for coming back to church after last week's message was not sure that I'd see anybody, but I appreciate y'all being here. I got to work Tuesday morning and my bus boss said, hey, I enjoyed your message Sunday. So you just never know who's going to be watching, do you? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, verses 15 through 20, uh, the apostle Paul said, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to the God, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you add your anointing, your uh, illumination and understanding, Lord, to the reading and the hearing and the preaching of your word. God, I pray that today that we would not just be hearers of your word, not even just understanders of your word, but Lord, help us to be doers of that word for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to remember this number, three-digit number, 168. Please remember the number, 168. I'm starting a brand new series today. Huh. The series is called CL168. Imagine that. 168. Um, that's the number of hours in a week. It's 24 times 7. Now, I want you also to remember this number, 167. 167. Um, this might even be a more important number than 168. 167 is the number of hours in a week that we are not in church together. I, I, now listen, I know our services are longer than an hour, so don't get sassy with me, but it makes the math cleaner, okay? We're just going to call it an hour, all right? Now, I, I heard somebody... Um, I heard somebody mention this concept of, of just 168 hours in the week um, a, a couple of years ago in relationship to church ministry, and it's just been marinating, and you've heard me mention it uh, over the course of the last couple of years. It's just been marinating, and the Lord's just sort of thrown some other things into the pot in the last couple of years um, through the pandemic, and now I really think it's finally time to talk about it, CL168. We've got to change some things. Uh, in order to be both more effective and more biblical. But change starts in, in hearts and minds before it gets to hands and feet, right? We've got to start in here. So we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I want us to, first of all, uh, change the way we think about church. We need to change the way we think about church. Here's what's really gotten to me 
over the last couple of years as I've been pondering this. In the American church, we spend the other 167 hours of the week focused on getting ready for the ministry of a one-hour church service. When we're, biblically, we're supposed to be spending that one-hour church service preparing for the ministry of the other 167 hours of the week. We're upside down. Our, our weekly church service is not the, or it should, at least it should not be, the sum total of all the ministry, energy, and leverage that we're supposed to be exerting as a church every week. If it is, we're upside down. Now, I used this illustration uh, a few years ago, goodness, several years ago now, but it, it, it's just as true today as it was the day I stole it from somebody else. So I'm going to tell you again. All right, we have allowed church to become like October Saturdays in the South. What's October Saturdays in the South for? College football. Thank you very much. Now, it, so so college football. It, it's where a hundred thousand people who desperately need exercise get together to sit down and watch twenty-two guys who desperately need to rest. Isn't that what foot, what football is? We've turned church into a spectator sport when it's been God's plan all along for every one of us to get on the field. Every one of us. It's time today for every believer to stop thinking of themselves as fans and start recognizing themselves as players. Listen, you're in the starting lineup. You're in the starting lineup. There is something that you're supposed to be doing. So we got to get after it. We got to get after it. This series is going to explore a lot of things, a lot of aspects of the church, uh, roles and responsibilities, um, uh, structure, focus, all kinds of things that, that I'm not sure I've ever heard preached. I think we've made some assumptions, but I'm not sure I've ever heard a good biblical foundation for some of these things, so we're going to do our best to dive in and find that. Like, uh, like what are the biblical reasons to join a church? Because I've been the pastor for 10 years, I don't really beat that membership drum too, too loudly, but honestly, because I wasn't sure what the foundation was biblically. I mean, I know traditionally and denominationally, I wasn't sure biblically why you should join a church. Now I know, and I'm going, to, I'm going to share that with you. So what's the what's the role of the fivefold ministry in the church? I hear people mention it, but like on a practical level, what does that mean, and what does that look like? Why do we have church? Why do we have church services in the first place? Um, so here's one that you've all been wondering. What is it the staff and the pastor are supposed to be doing? What do we do? What kind of pastor should you look for when you're looking for a church? And, and how, can, how can I have and you have a real impact on the kingdom of God? So we're going to explore those questions all in the context of this series, CL168. And I, I want to look at all those questions and, and more and find them in the Word. Uh, why are we doing that? Well, well here's, what, here's what I know. Um, if you love the Lord, you want to please the Lord. Isn't that right? If you love him, you want to please him. So I want to make sure that what we're doing as a church, as a matter of fact, it's my responsibility to make sure that what we're doing as a church is pleasing to him. Here's something else I know, um, something less pleasant. Judgment is real. Judgment's real. We are all going to stand before God one day. And I know it's not popular, and I know we don't talk about that in the American church, but it it does not affect the reality of the fact 
that we will stand before God and we will give an account for what we do in this life. For those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, like honestly, truly surrendered our lives to Jesus, when we stand before him, it won't be about heaven and hell for us. That was established at the cross for us, but it will be no less terrifying to watch all of the works of our entire lives put through the fire and see if anything we ever did had any eternal value. That's why this matters. That's why this matters. On the way to church last week, Valerie and I are attempting to reassimilate ourselves as a family and come to church together since we only have one service now. And it's been 10, 12 years or whatever that we've been coming separately. So we're trying to ride together. And, and I'm coming late enough with her to hear preaching on the radio. I heard Pastor Benny Tate last week. Y'all heard him? Um, he, he, said, he said last week on the way to church, he said, if we're not pleasing the Lord, I won't try to imitate his, his accent. That, that's a unique little accent he's got there. But he said, if you aren't pleasing to the Lord, it doesn't matter who you do please. And if you are pleasing to the Lord, then it doesn't matter who you don't please. Now, that's not true. That's not true in our daily, worldly, earthly lives because it really does matter who's unhappy with you. But in the grand scheme of things, and with an eternal perspective, ultimately when you stand before God, you will be far happier that you pleased the Lord and made everybody else mad than the other way around. So uh, I, I know you want to please the Lord as well. So today we're going we're gonna to start uh, with some foundational and I hope motivational truths in a message called spiritual urgency. Spiritual urgency. And I want to take each of the verses of the passage that we just read um, and, and just take them one by one and see what, it, what it's telling us about living with urgency, living in a way that glorifies God and moves the needle on the kingdom of God uh, 168 hours a week and not just one. Okay? So let's, let's dive in. Verse 15, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15, let's read it again. So be careful, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. My mom won't let me say that word in church or anywhere else, but I just did. Don't, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Here's what I want us to see from this passage. There's a right way and a wrong way to live. There's a right way and a wrong way to live. The apostle Paul, who, who wrote this book of the Bible, was talking to believers. He was talking to believers when he said, be careful. Be careful how you live. There, there's no need to be careful if you can't do it wrong. Right? Y'all were with me just a second ago. Did y'all check out? There's no need to be careful if you can't do it wrong. Nobody yells, be careful how you bowl when there's the little bumper gutter guards in those things. Y'all seen the little inflatable deals? They take those away when I bowl. But when kids bowl, they put those little things. Nobody says, be careful how you bowl, because with the gutters full of, of air, you pretty much can't not hit a pin. Yeah. Right? So that, that's why he says, and so he says, be careful. Because how we live in Christ very much matters how we do it right? You can mess it up. There is a right and a wrong way. He also says, not just be careful, he says, be wise. Be wise and not foolish. So there's not only a right and a wrong way, there's a wise and a foolish way. 
No, he said, don't live like a fool. Live like people who are wise. So what does that mean? What is the wise way that we're supposed to be following? What is the right way or the careful way? Does that mean slow? Does it mean we have to be slow? Like, don't make decisions until you fast for three weeks. You know, don't do anything fast. I don't think it has anything to do with speed. I think it has to, I think it just means be thoughtful, be careful, be intentional, be on point, be on purpose. You can be fast and careful at the same time. You can be fast and careful at the same time. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe me, watch the Olympics that are coming up in the next few weeks and watch the speed skaters. Are they careful? Yes, they're careful. Their whole lives is on a quarter inch, eighth of an inch blade of, of metal on this ice. And they're going 50 miles an hour. Yes, they're careful. But, man, are they fast. How can they do that? Because they know their lane. They stay in their lane. Well, what's the lane for a believer? How can we be fast and careful? By staying in our lane. Well, what's the lane? If I had to narrow it down to one thing, it's love. It's love. If you become love the way Jesus was love, then that's your lane. Everything else takes care of itself. Now, I want to show you Hebrews 6, verse 10. I want to to show you, I think, a really impactful uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, For God's not unjust. He'll not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you've shown your love to him. How do you show your love for God? By caring for other believers, as you still do. And verse 11 says, our great desire is that you'll keep on loving others as long as life lasts. All right? What's he want? What does the writer of Hebrews want? He wants you to keep loving others. Why? In order that you make certain what you hope for will come true, our blessed hope in, in the Lord. Then you won't become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you'll follow the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So, so let's kind of work backwards from that. Do, do, you wanna, what, do you want to ensure that you inherit God's promises and rewards? Do you want to ensure that you, get, that you don't get spiritually dull and indifferent? Do you want to ensure of your, that your hope for heaven is fulfilled? Then the writer of Hebrews, he didn't ask about sin. He didn't ask about church attendance. He didn't ask about witnessing. He didn't ask to see their giving record. He didn't ask about the acts of service they performed. He said, keep loving God by loving others. If you live a life of love, you won't sin against other people, right? Because you love them, right? You're going to witness to them because you love them and don't want to see them in hell. You're going to serve them. You're going to give. You will become more like Christ as you love other people. That, that's your lane. Just love everybody. Like, could you do that in the morning when you get up? Could, as you stumble to the sink, could you look in the mirror and just go, just love everybody? Instead of going, I have to behave I have to watch my face, right? I have to watch my, just love everybody. Love them. You you don't have to, you don't have to pray about it. It's right here. He already told you. Love it. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to study Greek and Hebrew. You ain't got none of that. Just love everybody. That's the right way to live. That's the wise way to live. It's the careful way. That's the way to create and maintain spiritual urgency. 
That's, that's the way to do kingdom work 167, 168 hours a week. Love God by loving others. And that leads us into the next verse, verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, the King James said, redeeming the time in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Here's what I want us to see from this passage. The days are evil, so make time count. The days are evil, so make time count. How do you make the most of every opportunity in these evil days? Love people. Love people. Love everybody all the time. This verse emphasizes two, uh, two things. One, the, the spiritual darkness that's all around us. And two, the need to get urgent about what it is we do. This is where the spiritual urgency title comes from. Now, I don't think we need to spend any time at all about how dark and evil these days are that we're living in, do we? Anybody need to be convinced that we're living in a dark and evil world? All right, so we got that. We'll take that as a given. Um, but we do, we do need to talk about our response to those days. What do we do? Because the days are evil and because the days are dark. Well, what too many believers have done is hunker down and hide. Like we're just going to hang out until Jesus shows up, takes us out of here. No, he left us here for a reason. If we were just going to hide, he'd have just snatched us right on out after we said yes to him. He left us here for a reason, with a purpose. It says the days are evil, so you've got to make sure that you make the most of all the time you have left. In the context of, of, of this series, use all 168 hours of the week for advancing the kingdom of God and not just the one hour you spend in church. One hour a week is not enough to push back against the darkness. One hour a week is not enough to overcome, uh, to overcome evil. Jesus said you overcome evil with good, right? Dr. King said darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that, right? If we're going to make a difference in this world, it's going to be through love and it must be constant and it has to start right now why because a part-time church can't defeat a full-time enemy we've got to develop spiritual urgency it's important it's important I'm not trying to create panic, not trying to do the guilt-driven thing. That has never worked. Just an understanding of the power of love. Just an understanding of the incredible power of the law of planting and reaping, sowing and reaping. That when you sow a seed of love, you're, you're, you won't even believe the increase, the harvest, the abundance that God brings out of that seed of love. It just doesn't happen right there in that moment. But you just keep sowing seed every day, every hour, all the time, and let God do his work. Verse 17. <clears throat> Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand, understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Here's, here's the takeaway from this verse. Um, God has something for you to do. God has something for you to do. The verse points out that we can't live our lives without giving thought to what we're doing. Like you can't just pop up in the mornings, get dressed, and go do today what you did yesterday. 
You, we, you, there, it's more important than that. We have to live intentionally. We have to live on purpose. The important stuff is not going to get done accidentally. You never get to the end of the day having not given one bit of thought about what you plan to do and go, man, I really nailed all the top things today. Just sort of accidentally. I wasn't even trying. That never happens. The important stuff only gets done intentionally. You have to live on purpose. Why? Because God has something for you to do. God has something for you to do. Not just the pastor. Not just the staff, not just the people who serve during that one hour window of the week. God has something for you to do. Well, how do I know what it is? Just start loving people. Start loving people and God will show you. Start loving people and God will help you find it. You say, John, that seems real simple. It kind of is. Just love people. Our, our former pastor here, um, was, he told the story of when he, early in his, uh, in his walk with the Lord, he was kind of fretting about whether he was making the right decisions and, and whether or not he was in God's will, and he was kind of freaking out. Anybody ever freaked out about whether or not they were in God's will or not? None of y'all, none of you Christians? Okay, that's all right, that's okay. Um, so his pastor, uh, Pastor Mark Williams, who's a wonderful, wonderful man of God, he told him this, he said, God wants you in his will more, even more than you want to be in it. So if you're sincerely following him, sincerely seeking him, then just trust that he's going to get you there. Wise words from a wise man. Guess what? It's true for us too. It's true for us. If you're living a life of love, that shows God how serious you are about doing his will. And we will, he will use the acts of love. Didn't Jesus say that he'll, 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 the people will see your good works and glorify God? He will also use those same good works to reveal in you or to you the work that he's prepared for you to do. So don't stress about it. Don't fret about it. Just love God by intentionally and urgently loving God people you know how i wound i said it's been 30 years in pastoral ministry you know how i sort of fell into that <laughs> so it wasn't it a lightning bolt from god and like a scroll no <laughs> not anything nearly that spiritual uh, i drove the youth group at our church to um town center mall no there's nothing else to the story that's just it that's that's all the youth pastor had a wedding and couldn't get back in time to get the kids back to Atlanta. He said, well, you drive the kids and just meet us, and, and, and then I'll take over from there. I just need you to drive them. And I did, and I was hooked because I just got to love on those kids, and something happened in my heart, and, and he would he let me come back and do some other stuff with the kids? And, and three months, four months later, the pastor asked me if I would be the youth pastor. And that's where it started. Just love the people who are in front of you. Pastor Robbie used to talk about this with, this, with the student ministry staff. Just love the one, right? Love the one who's right in front of you. That's what, what's God's will for me right now? Love that person you're eyeball to eyeball with. That's your, that's your job right now. 
Just intentionally, urgently love God and let him lead you through your love. Now, there's some question as to whether or not this person actually said this, but it is attributed to John Wesley, one of the founders of the, of the United Methodist Church, that he said, I set myself on fire for God, and people come from miles around just to watch me burn. Now, I think that works for evangelism. Clearly, it worked for him because people did come from miles around to watch the, in the Wesleyan revivals. It was, it was an incredible move of God. Unfortunately, people have adopted that as a model for church, and that doesn't work. That doesn't work. People are drawn to the gifts, to the charisma of anointed people, and they come to feel the fire of that gift. What Paul is trying to say to each of, uh, of, of us is we should all have our own flame. We all have our own flame. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't one fire that came and sat on 120 of them. It was 120 individual fires that sat on each of them. Each one of them had their own flame. There should be a passion in each one of us to love God and to love others. Don't you dare say, come to my church and watch my pastor. Come to my church and let my pastor love on you. You love on them. You do, you do it. Church is not a spectator sport. People should not just come and watch us love God. They, they, we should love God 168 hours a week. Church has gotten upside down. If, if all we're doing is enjoying the gifts of the gifted during church, then, then we wasted the one hour that we were in church and we're wasting the other 167 hours of the rest of the week too because we've been led to believe that the kingdom work gets done by the professionals. And it's, it's clear in this verse and in 127 other places in the Bible. And I just made that up. God has something for you to do. So let's start loving him by intentionally and urgently loving others. Covenant life, one, six, eight. Now, how do you develop and maintain this spiritual urgency? Well, that's in the next verse, verse 18. Let's go to the one before that, verse 18, please. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here, here's the takeaway. No, this is not the alcohol message. Y'all calm down. Um, our lives should be filled with the Spirit. Our lives should be filled with the Spirit. If we're not filled with the Spirit, our fire is not going to last. If we're not filled with the Spirit, our urgency will begin to play out. If we're not filled with the Spirit, then we'll start to fill ourselves with other things, with lesser things, things that don't make us more like Jesus. He said in this verse, be filled with the Spirit, not with wine, because that'll ruin your life. Why does it matter if it ruins your life? Because your life has a kingdom purpose. He wants you involved in kingdom work. Not wasting it with wine or anything else. Not with hobbies. Not with distractions. Not with sin. 
The Spirit is what we should be filled with. And don't forget, there can't be a filling until there's an emptying. Do you make it a habit of, of regularly asking God what you need to clean out of your life? Or is it like our closets, we just pile it in and shut the door, hoping it'll stay somehow? You won't have room for his love or for his power or for his spirit if you're filled with all these other things. How do I know what I'm full of? I'm leaving that one right there and stepping over that, going to a different answer. Um, Look at your, it's no, it's no less offensive though. Look at your calendar. Look at your bank account. True. How do I know what I'm full of? True. What's your calendar full of? What's your bank account um, like empty of? Where'd your money go? Where'd your time go? Where you spend your time and where you spend your money is probably what's filling your life. I'm not talking about groceries at Walmart. I'm not talking about bills. I'm not talking about all of that. The other stuff. Where's your time? Where's your money? That's where your priorities are. I suspect most of us could use a bit of a purge before we can be as full of the Spirit as we need to be. Right? And isn't that what John the Baptist, the principle that John the Baptist said? I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. It's the same thing. We've got to get... We've got to get all the rest of this stuff out so we can get more of him. You say, okay, John, I know we're on this spirit-filled thing, and I know this is a Pentecostal church. But I don't know about that whole baptism, the Holy Spirit thing, man. I just, don't, I just don't know if I believe like you believe what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, that's a different message for a different time. Let's take your definition. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit by your definition? And here's the most important question. Are you Spirit-filled by your own definition? Don't use me as an excuse. And it can't be a passive definition. It can't be that, oh, yes, we all receive the Holy Spirit when, when, we're, when, when we're saved. Because we do. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption, right? There's, there's no question about that. If we, if Romans said if we don't have the Spirit, we're not any of his, okay? But what we're talking about is not that because we receive that. That's a completely passive thing. He, he, he just he gives us that. What Paul is talking about, Paul gave us an imperative. He said, be filled. It's a command, it's, it's something in which we have a role to play. And the translation is not completely reflective of the original verb tense. It's a continual filling. It's not go be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can check the box off and forever you have some sort of little, some, some, sort, of, some sort of spiritual resume that you can flash to everybody. It's be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a habit. It's a lifestyle. It's an urgency. To be continually filled with him. Now, I'd be tempted to stop the conversation um, and the message, but at the end of verse 18 is a comma and not a period. So we have to keep going to see what else he says. Whatever comes next is connected to this idea of being filled with the Spirit. So here's verse 19, which follows verse 18. 
singing psalms. And so don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. But be filled with the Spirit, comma, singing songs, psalms, psalms, psalms. Should have stopped after one cup. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Now, where do we sing songs among ourselves? Let me give you a hint. You're there. (laughs) It's not the advanced class, people. This is just, (laughs) you're here. Just look around, all right? We sing songs among ourselves. Here, we just did it. Right? And did you see what happened when we did? Did you see that? If we hope to be spiritually urgent, if we hope to be filled with the Spirit, if we hope to be a 168-hour-a-week church, then we've got to take our corporate worship time seriously. Not just coming and getting it done, not just checking the box off, none of that stuff. We have to take it seriously. Why? Because he just said we did. He just said we did. We had a a music pastor a few years ago, and he'd come uh, from Ohio and and from a different church. And as we were talking, he said, um, so in my previous church, the pastor told me I had 18 and a half minutes for worship. (laughs) 18 and a half, not 19, 18 and a half minutes. And I said, well, like, what happens if you ain't done in 18? He said, you just can't not be done. Like, you got to be done. 18 and a half minutes. And I said, I'm going to need you to slow down. I'm going to need you to give it some space. I'm going to need you to, like, check in with the Lord and see if he's done. (laughs) like between songs and at the end of your 18 and a half, like we got, this is our shot, man. This is important. 18 and a half minutes might not get it. Now it doesn't have to be an hour and 18 minutes either. The deal is you come in, you get focused and you start letting God be God. And when he's done, you're done. And if he ain't, neither are you. You know, well, that doesn't fit in my schedule. Then you... Lord, sorry. You need to rearrange your schedule. If there's 168 hours in the week and we can't even give him one or one and a half or whatever, y'all making me go back through puberty? Y'all hear that? What in the one? What? We need to rearrange our schedules and put the, put the important stuff in first. Because I promise you, you get the one right, the other 167 are different. They're different. Listen, song, song, it just said songs are important. Singing is important. Worship is important. The songs that we sing teach us doctrine. And they keep us heavenly focused. They, they help us live carefully and thoughtfully and with wisdom. They help keep us encouraged. They keep us drawn to Jesus. They keep us full of his spirit. But if, we only, if we're only focused, it only works if we're focused and we're intentional about it. If we just sort of uh, slump in and just go through the motions, that's not going to work. Worship is not the opening act for the message. Worship is vital to your spiritual health and your spiritual 
urgency. And the verse keeps going. It's not, it doesn't just say uh, that, that we need to, it's not the songs among ourselves, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but it also says making melodies in your heart to the Lord. So here's the takeaway from that. Worship starts in the heart. Worship starts in the heart. It, there should be melodies in our hearts. What song's your heart singing? What song's your heart singing? Now, if you've got little kids, it's singing, we don't talk about Bruno. That's, that's what it's singing right now. If you have, don't have younger kids, good, good. Just don't go there. Um, when, when we come to church, what's in our hearts? What song are we singing in our hearts? Is our heart filled with songs of, of praise to the Lord? Is our heart full of songs of lament over a situation that we've got going on? I, I, I hope this is not embarrassing to her, but, but Ashley stood here with a heart broken this morning, mourning over the loss of her grandfather, still singing praise to the Lord. I promise you there are some churches in America that say, get her out of there, get her off there. She can't do all, why not? It's life. It's life. And it's just, if you can't worship with a broken heart, what good is our relationship with the Lord? If you can't worship in a crisis, if you can't approach him when you've got some concerns and some doubts and some fears and some whatevers, what good is a relationship with the Almighty God if he's so intimidated by your problems? Do we ever come in with songs of repentance over our sins? We're like, good Lord, I need to get in his presence and just say, I'm sorry. John 4 says that we worship in spirit and in truth. It's an internal function first. It's not enough to sing. We have to sing from the heart. We have to worship. We have to connect every part of our being. Because you can sing every word of every song and go home still not having worshipped him at all. Worship is not about singing a worship song. Worship helps us get filled with the Spirit. It does, because they're connected. It's it's what the whole verse said. Helps us get filled and stay filled with the Spirit. It helps to energize us and prepare us for the other 167 hours of the week. Don't underestimate the potential for worship to be life-changing if you'll do it from your heart. And here's the last part of this passage. Verse 20 And give thanks and give thanks for, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the takeaway. God, uh, gratitude should permeate our lives. Gratitude should permeate our lives. But did you see the first word of that verse, and? And? It's, it means we're still having the conversation. It connects to the previous verse. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to maximize the impact of worship in your life, then you have to be filled with gratitude before the Lord. Amen. Gratitude is the cornerstone of worship Amen. and praise. Notice that it isn't the verse that says, give thanks in all things. This, was even, this one's even harder to swallow. It says, give thanks for all things. How in the world can you give thanks for all things? Because God promises us in Romans that he's working everything together for our good. Not just the good things. He's taking all the things, all the things that we go through, and he's bringing good out of them. He's redeeming those things. So we can be thankful for everything because everything is for our ultimate 
good. I mean, you want to talk about some powerful seeds of ministry, just live a life of gratitude in those, under, uh, those other 167 hours. Because gratitude is not something you see every day. Be grateful for your blessings. Be grateful. Be gracious and hopeful about your challenges. It'll speak volumes to the people around you about what God is doing in your life. An attitude of gratitude changes the people around you as much as it changes you. Corey, y'all can come on, man. Let me, let me ask you a question before we wrap this thing up. When's the last time you went to the Lord just to say thank you without attaching a request? Like you're not buttering him up, right? Hey, God, thanks for those other things, but hey, I got like six others that we need to talk about now. When's the last time you made yourself not ask for anything? You just went, but he's God, man. It's not like it's hard. For, it's not about him. It's about your heart. When's the last time you just said, hey, thanks. Thank you. It's an old song in the little Baptist church I grew up in, in the, probably in the 70s. I'd sing it every once in a while. I didn't come here to ask you for anything. I just came to talk with you, Lord. So it wasn't just my little Baptist church. Okay. I just came to talk with you, Lord. Right? I, that we sang it today, didn't we? <clears throat> sang it today in that last song. That, that Jesus, you don't owe me anything. I'm, I'm here in your presence. I'm just here to say thank you. I'm just here to worship you. I'm not here with my laundry list of things I need you to work on for me. I'm just telling you thank you. The worship team does this, uh, this song, the, the, goodness, the Goodness of God, and it just melts me, which is getting easier. The, the older I get, it's easier to melt me now. But it says, all my days, I've been held in your hand. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I just think about all the situations that I faced in my life when God revealed himself to me in a hundred different ways just faithful just faithful and and i'm just so grateful that in the midst of my doubts when i was ready to walk away from him he never took a step away from me that when i'm going through things that are so heavy and so hard that i'm not sure i can take another breath he was still right there beside me and the times when I knew exactly what I was supposed to do and I did exactly the opposite of that and he was still there I'm just grateful I'm just grateful and if we'll just get full of this one revelation of the goodness of God how good he is and how grateful we need to be it'll motivate us to worship It'll motivate us to sing and to serve and to love and to be filled more and more of his spirit. Because no matter what you believe about being filled with the spirit, at its core, at its essence, being filled with the spirit is about being drawn closer and closer to Jesus and, sur and surrendering more and more of yourself. You can put whatever labels and, and things you want to around it, but at the end of the day, if you just keep throwing everything else off that's between you and him, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. CL168. It's, it's not just a sermon series, y'all. It's an initiative.
It's, it's a narrowing. It's a sharpening of our focus. All right? I'm not going to stop talking about this whenever this series is over. This, this is to bring us more in line with what this word says and with the will of God in carrying out this word. Bringing purpose and meaning to all of our lives. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to know that their life meant something. We have a purpose. The more we do this, the more we understand what it says, and the more we put it into practice, that gives us our best chance at making a difference in our community. And not just in this city, not just in this county, but in your home and in all the places you live and work. It's not geographically based. It's not about this church building for one hour a week. It's about every hour of every day being filled with the love of God for his people and for his work. Why don't you stand with me today? We're going to pray. This altar is open. It's it's always open. You can come and pray about anything. I know some of you have big decisions to make feel free to come and pray about it. Some of you have things, challenges in your, in your physical body, in your mental health, in, in your relationships. Come and pray about it. Whatever's going on in your life, come and pray. But if you want to respond, you need to respond to this message. You come on and let the, let the Lord lead you and guide you. And somebody come pray with us, young man, please. Father, we belong to you. And our lives were created with a purpose. God, I just, I pray that you'd lead us and guide us. Lord, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. Show us the things that we need to strip away, the things that we need to empty ourselves up of, the things that we need to get rid of to make more room for you. Help us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. God, I just pray. I pray that there is a desire in everybody's heart to be filled with your spirit. And that it's not limited by some definition that we've learned from a church or from a denomination. But God, that what would you, you're unlimited. How are we going to limit you to one particular definition or concept or idea? Lord, I pray that you blow all of our minds with the depth of the relationship that's possible through your Holy Spirit. You have gifted us. Lord, this is the first day of the week. We're just a few hours into it. You've gifted us with 168 hours this week. I pray that at the end of those hours that your kingdom has been impacted more than just in one of them but in every one of those as you send us out with one purpose in mind to love people in Jesus name Amen We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.